to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, recruiting, basketball. We do it all at michigan.247sports.com where you can read all of our stories throughout the week. But this podcast helps kind of break things down in an audio format. We have a have a episode 12, so we're having a good time enjoying it in the thick of football season. So we're probably not going to break down Air Force. I think we all, we all agreed. It's just not a real good indicator of what's to come this season. You're not going to see defensive linemen that small and, and that, that aggressive. You're not going to see offensive linemen throwing those kinds of chop blocks or having that kind of offensive scheme. So hard to gauge too much from that, but we will look at Purdue, which is suddenly a very intriguing matchup. Other things to come on this show, we answer your questions, which we posted in the 24-7 board. A couple recruiting updates, and, and maybe not good ones if you're a Michigan fan. So we'll get to those as well. We're going to talk Michigan's red zone, and then, of course, an extensive preview of Michigan traveling to West Lafayette to take on the Boilermakers. So it should be a fun podcast. We'll start with some questions. We've got two off-topic questions, which are always a fun one to start with, help break the ice. Oh, by the way, I'm Zach Shaw. I'm your host on the phone lines with me are Steve Lorenz and Isaiah Hull. And guys, we'll start with one from Schmarkdog, who said, if you could design your ideal day off with no constraints on travel uh, or money, what would you do? So we... Our, our site, uh, the name, already suggests that we don't get too many off days, but suppose we did get one and we could go anywhere, do anything. Isaiah, we'll, we're going to start with you. Uh, what are you What are you doing, at, doing it with? Uh, I'd probably end up going to, to Italy, to somewhere in the Amalfi Coast, or if I could teleport or just kind of get around, I would just go basically from place to place and eat all day. Used to be able to include alcohol in that. That would have been fun, but basically it would be... Going to Italy, seeing just the beautiful landscapes, the beautiful sights, and just kind of seeing what the culture is like through the food. That's pretty much my favorite thing to do, period, anyway, is just going different places and experiencing the different food that uh, that exists in different neighborhoods and regions, whether it be just locally or... Uh, Kansas uh, City, when we had 10 different barbecue places. <laughs> which is why I think I was sick for like a salad month, though, because I just oh. like... It was like oh, <laughs> Bar- barbecue uh yeah it's 7 a.m why not yeah you can do it i like that so, answer yeah that would that would be my thing <laughs> all right steve what about you uh i always want to go to monte carlo monaco hang out there not gamble just hang out maybe go maybe gamble a little bit nothing big though i'm not a big gambler but I guess it'd be kind of hard to go to monte carlo and not throw a few bucks down on something so yeah, I don't know why. Just always a place I've been kind of enamored with. Uh, so that that'd probably be my choice. Get on a yacht and go sail around on whatever. I don't remember what sea it's on, but it's somewhere out in one of those seas. So, uh, you know, head out there and, and do that whole thing. Maybe be there for the Grand Prix, too. I know Monaco's kind of known uh, and Monte Carlo is known for the big Grand Prix. I always think that's kind of a neat uh, international sporting event. So... Or I guess I mean I guess I was, I'm probably supposed to say that I'd go to England and watch like a darts tournament too. I'll just say that so that people can go, oh yeah, Steve he really likes darts a lot. So, um, <laughs> so we'll go with those two I guess as as my choices. Uh, see, I'm a little more convoluted than you guys. I I, I I've decided that I, I would still be at the beach. I love love the beach. Uh, hoping I can start hoping Michigan plays in a bowl game by the beach or something of that sort. 
I uh, love the sand, love the water. The whole beach experience is is one for me. So I would I would go to the beach and I would probably w- use my teleporting powers to teleport a bunch of my friends in and make sure they have off days too. And I would have like a whole bunch of in addition to the beach, the other thing I love a lot is is competition. So it would probably be like some beach olympic sort of event. Uh have ton of fun, tons of food. Uh, I also love food. Uh, tons of tons of alcohol. Isaiah, you wouldn't need to drink. Uh, and it would just be just be a real fun uh, beach bonanza the entire day. That would be where though. Well, I love I loved um, Hollywood Beach in Florida. I like uh, I love the Outer Banks. I go there every year. Kind of kind of depends on the time of year. Uh, somewhere where it's you know mid 80s, the water's nice. I'd probably probably get on a boat as well or jet ski. Uh love to jet ski. So yeah, it'd be it'd be a pretty packed day. It'd be it'd be very be very overloaded day, but I would I would have fun with it all. You need a day off from your day off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then I need the recovery day. So, no, I like that question though. Uh it's interesting. And so thank you Schmark Dog for submitting it. We got another one. This one comes from Via Azul. 97 who says uh you have to compile your perfect game time meal for michigan football picking one item from three different fast food restaurants what do you pick and from which restaurants so fast food is is up for interpretation uh like i don't i don't know too many people that are having uh michigan game time meals of like mcdonald's right so let's how about we do to um to make it more specific, we'll do one from a legitimate like fast food restaurant that like has a drive-through, one from something a little bit if you want something a little bit more like a chain, but like it could be like a chain restaurant, so like like Buffalo Wild Wings, and then we'll do one just for just a shout out to our locals. I know we got a lot of a lot of Michigan listeners and a lot of Michigan alums that listen. We'll do one from Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor specific thing. Since I just threw that out to you guys, I'll give you guys some time. I would really want a lot of spicy chicken sandwiches from Chick-fil-A. That is that is the best fast food there is. Uh, it's a it's gonna you're gonna have a tough time convincing me otherwise. Uh, although I don't know if I necessarily want to have my my power my entree part of the meal be from from one of those, but we'll get we'll get moving on. Um, love uh let's see the chains i will uh i guess i'll take uh milkshakes from steak and shake i'm there's probably a way better option than that but that's i i really want milkshakes to be a part of this part of this and then for my final meal which i i suddenly have a meal with no sides um i just have milkshakes and and burgers and then but i'm gonna get some of the pizza from the original cottage in not the chain part but like the the original one downtown with the super gooey cheese uh you know you get that five meat their five meat deal is not too bad and and i just think it's it's some of the best food i've ever had i'm a big pizza lover so that's i'm a little biased toward that so yeah i'd have to that I could do that before the before the beach day because I'd need to exercise and burn a lot of calories after that. But that's probably what I would pick. Again, um, fast food up for interpretation. 
love love uh yeah yeah jack in the box has jalapeno poppers i love i mean chipotle obviously but for you guys one fast food item from like a true fast food one chain restaurant thing and then also one ann arbor specific thing because we all are michigan alums we've all spent a lot of time in this town so uh steve are you ready to go yeah all right what do you got so it's i i would call it i think there's like four or five of them but out in la there's a, a burger place called father's office that makes the best hamburger that i've ever had in my entire life so that would be my chain not fast food uh, okay. item and then my fast food item which is a tough one because it's because i'm going to try to just play it straight here because it's a burger i feel like i should have fries with it i'm pretending this is one meal i would choose like five guys i think five guys probably has the best pound for pound fries in the fast food industry okay we can do burger um, and fries i think we can whatever. do that yeah i'm just playing i'm just i'm just I'm pretending it's a meal. Nobody, you guys don't have to pretend it's a meal. Do you get Cajun fries um, at Five Guys? Yes, actually, yeah. yeah, yeah they're very good. Yeah. You can't. I don't think you. Yeah, you, it's kind of one of those you have tos type. Uh, <laughs> I, I've never gotten the just the it's original. A lot plane. of fries that don't have a lot of flavor if you don't get Cajun. Agreed. And <laughs> uh, to finish it out, Ann Arbor. Honestly, like I'd probably pair it with like a Bam Noir beer at uh, Jolly Pumpkin. So I would get a burger, fries. And then an alcoholic beverage. Yeah. Okay. That works. That's it for me. <laughs> the father's office burger. I'm sure anybody who's been to LA or lives in LA in that area, it is, it is the best hamburger I've ever had in my life. Put it this way. I hate onions more than anything. And I'll eat that hamburger and it, it has like caramelized onions on it. Hmm. That's a good okay. indication in and in and out and father's office. The only hamburgers in this world that I will eat that have any kind of onion on them. So Isaiah, have you been to Father's Office? I know you lived in L.A. Yeah, yeah, I've been. Uh, the great thing about L.A. is that it's it's such a burger town, and people don't realize that it's there's about six places that I could say have my favorite burger because they're that's just so ripe with uh, just absolutely amazing uh, culinary genius when it comes to that particular that particular thing. And I'm a burger guy too, so that's Father's Office is is up there. It's probably in my top five, uh, but it's I mean. That's not a knock on it. It's just that there are that many amazing burger places in L.A. All right. So what's your choice for your ideal, ideal meal? I I don't know, man. This is a hard one for me. I don't know why, but uh, probably just because I don't do a lot of like quote unquote fast food, even from chains. I don't really do chains either. Uh, I I guess I'm debating if I want to make it a breakfast or a later because usually game game day for me is earlier than anyone else so i usually end up having breakfast yeah let's but, say it's a uh, night game let's make it a, make it a dinner we could honestly okay. it doesn't even have to be a michigan game it could just be like an ideal meal using these oh. three elements all right let's say let's let's call it a michigan game let's put it in chicago and i'll i'll say that uh just for the one part of it which is for on that same light i'd go to 25 degrees uh for a burger there uh, I, I don't know which one I would pick. They have a couple of them. That's one of my favorite burgers that I came to love that through LA. It's a kind of, uh, they have like five or six locations, I think nationally. There's one in the, uh, in Hollywood on the, 
It's uh, right around where uh, the corner from where my apartment used to be on Hollywood Boulevard, like right across the street from the Chinese Theater uh, in the Roosevelt Hotel. It's just unbelievable. Uh, and, I mean, they have so, so many great things to go with it, like a Guinness milkshake, which I can't have anymore, but lots of great things there. Uh, I would add, man, I, I don't know. I kind of lost the other two. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I mean, just to, for sake of simplicity, I still love McDonald's fries. I don't have, I have McDonald's maybe once every three to four years at this point. Uh, it's just a staple. It, you know, it's nothing, nothing fancy, but they just do it right. So I'll say that. And then I'll add another fast food place for it and just say Sonic milkshake. Yeah. I almost one. picked that. Yeah. They're, they're, they're quite good. I like that. Half off after yeah, that, a certain time of night or whatever. Anything from Ann Arbor? I, I, I was gonna give a give basically an honorable mention if we were doing if I could uh, figured it out breakfast wise to bagel fraggle. Uh I used to always get a, a whole wheat bagel with uh lox and habanero cream cheese. Uh it's one of those things I lived across the street from there. Uh my my last few years of school came something I had almost every morning. That would probably be my uh, my primary option there. Okay. Every now and again on a game day, I'll stop in and get one, and they usually remember me, and I sometimes still don't even have to say what I want. They still kind of remember what I ordered on a daily basis. Nice. Okay. Cool. Well, that, those are our off-topic questions. Never even, never even heard of it. You never, never heard, heard of heard Bagel Fraggle? Oh, man. No. I don't do bagels. Well, okay, you would like this one. I'm not a big bagel guy either, but their Fraggles are like... They're fried bagels, hence the name. And they're like okay. donut bagels. Very tasty. All right. Um, anyway, back to football. We have a question from Blue Jay Chip. And I know I know, all three of us are probably kind of sick of this and get triggered by it. But he asked, do you think Spate's mechanical issues are, quote, coming back from injury-related or a, quote, young receiving core? Uh, which do you think is more accurate? Not both, although... I get that both apply. Yeah, they do. Um, anyway, yep. do we think that the mechanical issues are related to the injury or the young receiving core more? Uh, obviously, both those and a lot of other factors are in play for the offense's uh, struggles through three games. Isaiah, we'll let you go first. Uh, which do you think is, is more prevalent? Well, I think there's definitely some, maybe a little bit of gun shy type of equality to his throwing due to having been in the situation that he's been in with the injury and such. I do think it's more of the young receiving core, uh, just by virtue of the fact that a lot of these throws are rushed. And it's actually, to me, the biggest concern with Spate in particular is. It, it's not even about spade. It's about the pass protection. I just feel like a lot of times he's ru- you know rushing his throws because he knows that he could be on the verge of getting clobbered again. Yeah, I guess that could be both because you know once once you get hurt the way he did, you're probably not as keen to stand in the pocket and make the type of throws you know that you were pre-injury. But I think that because he doesn't have those options downfield that separation that he's looking for, what he's become accustomed to throwing to Amara Darbo and Jehu Chesson, that that plays a bigger role, especially considering that, uh, you know, I think the pass protection has left a bit to, to be desired so far through three weeks, uh, even against uh, not, not penetrating defenses. They've, they've found a way to, to kind of rattle him time to time. He's done a great job at escaping the pressure, but at the same time, he's still rushing some of those throws and, 
I think that's probably the bigger the bigger issue in my opinion, the young receiving core. Steve, your thoughts? It's the latter. Let's move along. Steve's not in the mood today. <laughs> no, I, I I agree. I think it's it. I don't think people realize how much chemistry goes into it because I mean, you know, I, I I remember when I played football. It's like they told us as soon as we would turn, and this is JV by the way. This isn't even like that high level of football. It's like we had to premeditate the throw like three seconds before, and the quarterback had to throw it before we were even like facing them. So I don't think people realize just how how complicated it can be, especially in a game environment, uh, especially when not throwing turnovers is such a high priority as it is to spate. Yeah, I, I agree. We've probably plowed through this topic on, on a number of stories. If you want to read more, michigan.247sports.com. I'm also with Isaiah. When I do like the countdowns of which of spate's throws are on target or not, uh, a large portion of ones that aren't, he is being hit while he throws. You know, either either just before or just after. And that's, I mean, you know, if you're getting hit every time you throw, you can't expect to have that many good throws. So, so yeah, probably more the, the receiving core, uh, probably more the offensive line. I don't think health is an issue. Also, I believe, I mean, you know, other people can disagree. I think the main problem with his mechanics was setting his feet. And I think that that was more, I don't know. I think that was just more of like a, oh, he, I developed this bad habit over the summer, not I don't know how to do what I'm supposed to do. Anyway, we've got a basketball recruiting question. Uh, this from, comes from Alex Hinton, Al Hinton 23. says, do you think Ignis Brzdykas decides soon? How do you feel about the chances of closing out the class with Brzdykas and Noah Locke? So this has been a topic since, like, July. Uh, you know, they those two got more love during the evaluation periods in the AAU circuit than... Pretty much anybody else combined, and for good reason. I think Brzdykas is the best player they offered in this class. I think he, I know 24-7 has him in the top 50. The the composite doesn't, but I think he is that good, and I think he's someone that just looks really ready for the college game. He almost reclassified, uh, ultimately decided not to, and I know I think he plans on deciding after his visits. I, I mean, he might add a couple more visits. I know when he said that the... You know, he would visit Michigan, Vanderbilt, and Florida. I know he said that those were his first three visits. Uh, but I, I, I kind of get the hunch that he's pretty happy with all three. I don't think I don't think he's someone that's necessarily going to be looking, waiting around for Kentucky or Duke to, to offer. I know Illinois got involved, and I know UConn at one time was, was pushing hard. But I, I would guess he's deciding within the month. I mean, I think, I think he probably going to make sure he visits Florida next weekend uh, to close things out and to, to know for sure what, what to expect. But I don't know. I mean, he's, you know, crystal ball started trending toward Michigan uh, after his visit and Vanderbilt pretty quiet as far as the, the post visit interviews, nothing, nothing too major there. Um, so we'll see what Florida has in store, but I, my guess is that he decides soon unless, unless a school starts pushing really really hard that that wasn't before uh as for noah Locke, i i don't know when he's gonna decide i i i'm guessing i think you know we're in that part of the year where a lot of basketball prospects want to decide so they can enter their season committed uh so they can start getting ready to sign you know in the november signing period and so i'm guessing i'm guessing he decides too i think if they got both 
And and Steve, I, you were at least more prevalent of the recruiting scene than I was back then. But I think if they got both, then Michigan's five-member 2018 class would probably have a pretty good case against the 2012 class. It doesn't have the same heavy hitters that Glenn Robinson and uh, Mitch McGarry provided, but I mean, you got five guys, five different positions, lot of lot of talent. Really, nobody that you don't think could succeed at the college level. And and a lot of guys who look like they could actually have a chance at the next level too. I so so yeah. I mean, getting both, I, I think it's an uphill battle f- right now. But if they got both, that would be a really good sign. Noah Locke didn't quite talk about him as much. He might be the best shooter, best high school shooter in the entire country. Uh, he shot like 50% from three in the in the uh, EYBL circuit against against good defenders. It's not like that was his high school or, you know, house league or something. That was that was against other guys who want to play Division One basketball. Shot 50% from three. Uh, can make pretty much any shot, even though he's only 6'1", 6'2". Uh, just, a, just a natural shooter. Seems to, seems to like Michigan. Uh, you know, I mean, some schools, Kansas, Maryland, Virginia, didn't make the cut for his official visits. Michigan did. He was here this past weekend. Uh, so we'll see. I know Providence and Xavier and some of the other basketball first schools are, are pushing hard for him, too. But uh, certainly keep an eye on both. I, I think if I were Michigan, I would feel a little more confident in Iggy right now. I think I think he 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 seemed to be really enthralled with Michigan when he visited. Uh, but you know how recruiting goes. You never you never quite know until they show up to campus, right, Steve? You've got your your recruiting question, my recruiting question for you, Otis Reese and Emil Echior, verbal commits to Michigan from SEC territory, and the rumblings are that they are looking at other schools. And as we just said, recruiting, it's a there's there's hardly any certainty even when you think there is. What is the latest with these two? And what should Michigan fans think about all this? Uh, by the way, yeah, so I'm looking at the basketball commitment you asked about 2012. And it's like, it's hard to like, 18 should be, could be good if they close out with those two guys that you're talking about. Four. Oh, they need the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need, yeah. But no, 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 no. I agree. I agree, though. I mean, on paper, it would be, it'd be very, you could even argue it's, it's stronger uh, with Taylor Curry just being a complete wild card after moving up a class, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but the main so is Spike is David, and Karis, you know. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, and then David DeJulius is somebody I think you could maybe argue still even just a little bit underrated uh, at 131 in the composite. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, that class, holy cow! Uh, Robinson, <laughs> four McGarry, NBA Stockton, players Robert, and yeah, Spike Albrecht, I mean, like <laughs> yeah. Who almost cared, who almost was the reason, you know, that they hoisted the national championship trophy yeah. with Spike. So, uh, be pretty, you know, eighteen. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement. I mean, I agree that uh, Iggy is definitely a. I don't know what you call a guy like a, a head. I, maybe he'd be the headliner. I don't know. I mean, I I agree. I think he's got the highest ceiling of anybody. Yeah. Uh, you know that they're recruiting or have verbally committed, uh, and and Locke is a perfect fit i mean you can't almost can't draw a better guard uh to play in beeline's offense so uh yeah i think it's 
It's interesting. You know, and Justin, is it Justin Aarons or I was getting mixed yep, up? Yep, Justin Aarons. Kyle, at- Kyle's at Michigan State. Yeah, the other okay. the other major target that's in play right now. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm good getting, himself. I'm getting more compliment. into I'm getting more sold on him as the more I watch of him. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, so there's the class should finish out really nicely either way, you know, and then to beat Michigan State for Brandon Johns is a pretty nice little. Uh, yeah, you know, number one player in the state, a top 75 right. kid, you know, <laughs> certainly no slouch himself. I didn't mean to to suggest oh, otherwise. No. Yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. No, it's the, but we were just talking. I guess we were talking about who wasn't committed yet, but. Football-wise, yeah. Um, so neither of those the recruitment with Ekior or Otis should really be much of a surprise to anybody. Uh, Emil's been very open about his recruiting process. So, um, And again, I think one of our users even alluded to this. If you go to – Will Fong posted a couple different things on email today about how you know Michigan's okay with these kids taking visits. They always have been. So – it's not like this should be like a big surprise that he's still considering Alabama. Um, we'll see there. He's been really back and forth. He kind of goes whichever way the wind blows. So, um, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. I mean, cause you're choosing between Michigan and Alabama. I think, I know Florida state's probably still involved. I think Wolfong wrote that too, but that's, uh, I think they're still sniffing around too, but I mean, you know, choosing between Michigan, and Alabama, two really great football programs. So it's easy to be kind of, swayed i guess by whoever you see last or wherever you've been last so um i think michigan's chances to keep email are probably a little bit higher than otis that's a guess otis doesn't talk to anybody about anything anymore i think we even had i think it was kip adams or or rusty from our georgia site went out to leesburg and he his coach wouldn't let them interview him so um like I said, I posted this this morning, but it's just to me. I think that's a situation Michigan needs to get him up soon. Uh, he's been to Georgia at least a couple times. I mean, I think he's been there more than we probably even know. I mean, some of these guys really try to make these visits uh, under the radar. Which again, given that Michigan doesn't care, I don't understand why they don't just, you know, hey, I'm visiting. You know, a lot of these, you know, most guys like tweet out that they're somewhere. But um, on the flip side. I think I also think losing email would be a bigger deal. Uh, and that's I say that in the same vein of saying that Reese's film has been really, really impressive so far this year. Uh, probably along with McGrone, probably the two most impressive commitments on film, at least that we get a glimpse of. I mean, when Jemin Green and his brother are only releasing 20 second highlight clips of full games, it's kind of, I guess it's really kind of hard to get an idea of how well they're playing this year. But um Michigan is so set at linebacker right now. And uh, it's one of those things where it's almost, I feel like Michigan's mentality is like, you know, we're going to play at a high level at linebacker going forward with or without you. So, and I don't mean that to say they're not going to try to keep him on the boat. They absolutely want him uh, because he'd be perfect in that defense. You know, those tweener guys have kind of found a home with Don Brown. And so, you know, and Reese would be no different. So, uh, but I think continuing to build up front, is always going to be more important, especially, like I said, you see what they've done at linebacker, what they have. I mean, you got, like I said, you got Jordan Anthony, Josh Ross, Drew Singleton haven't even played yet this year. They may be able to get away with redshirting Singleton and Anthony. Uh, Ross has been playing a lot on special teams, so I assume we'll keep seeing them out there. But, uh, you know, there's – and then you had McGrone in there. And then you, we haven't even seen what guys like Uche, Uche and 
Embassy, who did get a little bit of playing time at the end of the Florida game. I mean, there's a few other guys in there that we haven't even seen yet. So, well, uh, and two of your starters are gonna be around for at least one more season. At right, exactly. Yeah. So, so th- it's the need at linebacker is not as dire as, in my opinion. I'm I'm just a big build as much on the trenches as you can. So, the flip side too, people think about. I don't know what Emil's thinking as far as his timeline, but Alabama's in on a ton of other offensive linemen right now. I don't really, you know, where is he on the pecking order? I know he's talked about Alabama likes him at center. Um, maybe that, maybe maybe he has an open spot there regardless, but there are a ton of other big-time offensive linemen that Alabama's in on. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see if that plays a factor or not. You know, again, people who have followed recruiting for any length of time should know this is just kind of the way it is. So, uh, mm-hmm. we'll see if yeah. can, we'll see if they can weather the storm, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, well, and you'll, you'll obviously follow everything. Be sure... If you don't already, check out michigan.247sports.com regularly to see Steve. And Isaiah does a lot of recruiting stuff as well. Uh, The latest updates is Michigan tries to solidify and close out its 2018 class and also build for 2019. But we're back to the 2017 team, which we're generally, I said at the beginning, we're not going to look too much into Air Force. We're not going to break it down. It's just not not a good indicator of what Michigan can do against, with no dis- disrespect to Air Force, more normal teams, you know, teams where the linemen are big and and they block regularly and, and they run a regular system. Uh, but there was there is one issue that has been a hot topic issue all week. Uh, we've written stories about it. We have, have dissected it, but we're going to do it here. The red zone offense, they've made 10 trips and they have one touchdown. They also have eight field goals. So so they are getting points, but you could tell on Saturday, you know, the fans are growing frustrated that, that Michigan can move the ball. I think the stat that I had was 6.9 yards per carry before you get to the red zone, and then once they got to the red zone, negative .3 yards per play. It was 6.9 yards per play, not per carry, uh, per play, and then it drops to below zero. So... Certainly, certainly something is off. Uh, I have my thoughts, but Isaiah, I want to I want to hear what you think of first. Uh, you you know we've been to these press conferences, we've heard the coaches talk and the players talk. Uh, I think everyone's pretty sick of talking about it. Obviously, they they just want to do it. But what in general have they been saying about the issues and what needs to be corrected? Well, I mean, they they definitely have credited some of the, you know, a bit of the play calling that's happened and their inability to do things like pick up the blitzes and such of that, you know, things of that matter in the red zone. Uh, I think a lot of it does come into into the same kind of thing that we are talking about with Spate particularly in that, like, with the young receiving core not getting separation, there's obviously a lot less room to make that to make you know for them to be able to to be able to get that separation and be able to to actually convert uh obviously things get a little bit more constricted the further down the field you go but they talked a bit about that the red zone being the in the issue being just other teams being able to take away with what they wanted to do so that that obviously means that they're going to have to sit and, and look at which which plays can they actually run down there to actually keep going instead of stalling out the way that they've been able to that they have been doing you know that that's what we've been looking at all you know so far this season is a is a team that can drive you know drive the field for the most part and then 
they just stall out. So they clearly have some things that are working. So it's just finding those other things that work better the further down the field you go. So yeah. we'll see if they're able to, to do to to do that. They shouldn't be facing as much pressure up front as they had the last couple games with this Purdue squad. Purdue isn't uh isn't getting into the backfield nearly as often. Oh, no, they are not. One as sack. Any of the other teams. Right? Yeah, yeah, one sack, last nationally in tackles for loss per game. So, yeah. So this should be one of those things that if if they're still not able to convert, if they're still having issues, it's you're going to have to look at both the play calling and what, you know, if they're if they're going mostly pass in those situations, then what you know what's going on with the receivers how are they i know it's a young group but how are they not able to get enough separation to be able to allow the team to continually move the ball yeah and one thing and i i I pretty much agree with with all of that the only thing i would add is that i think i almost felt like when i watched the air force game i wasn't watching the red zone too closely in the other two games but it really just seemed like air force was a little more desperate and a little more uh I mean, I think I said this in, in one of the stories, like not to get all any given Sunday on you, but like they wanted to scratch and fight and claw for that inch. And Michigan seemed at least at times more resigned with just doing things normally. And then if they needed to get the points, but like as you get close to the end zone, because Michigan's also 102nd and third down conversion rate. And I think it's the same principle where the defense gets a little more desperate. They're ready to, you know, run harder, push more you know, do everything as as hard as they can to try to get off the field. And Michigan's offense, I mean, you talk about getting separation. I think that's one example. I think there were some blocks that weren't held as long as they could have been or blocks that were just missed. And so, you know, play calling plays a role, but I, I really see it as almost like a mentality thing. And so in the same vein, though, as you said, Purdue, if they're, I mean, they've allowed more red zone touchdowns than field goals and non-touchdowns combined. You know, they, so they, if there is a team to fix this issue with, it's probably this team. Uh, the other thing is personnel issue. And Steve, I want to I want to get your thoughts on this because you know last season they had guys like Jake Butt who was really reliable in the red zone. They had you know Jabril Peppers, the Wildcat. I mean, I know people kind of criticize the usage of it, but it it did work a few times in the red zone. And then you had a guy like Devion Smith who was very much a, a one gap. You know, he could run between the center and the guard and fight for for you know an extra yard so who on this team do you think needs to step up from a personnel perspective for for this issue to be corrected uh there's a i mean obviously there's a few guys i you know kakoa crawford still uh he's i guess he's the de facto number one at least for at least for this saturday i still think it'll be people's jones by the end of the year but you know i think crawford is a guy who has been very up and down this year i thought he he did not play well against Air Force at all in any facet of the game. Uh, you know, so I think he's a guy. I think Chris Evans, too. Uh, I Again, you look at Michigan's offense and you look at what they pulled out against Florida and what they've done since then, they have just not utilized Evans as in, a, in as a diverse a way as we were told and as what we expected um, and again, which leads me to believe that we're going to see more of that. Now, whether that's going to be this Saturday or if they'll still hold off on it, um, you know, I don't think they can really afford to hold off much longer uh, on the road against a 
you know, a team that's definitely going to be fired up to play on Saturday. So, you know, I think Evans is a guy, you know, Isaac's been their most effective back this year, but Evans is so versatile, uh, is a guy I think is the best at being able to uh, get skinny between the tackles and, and, and get to the second level. So he'd be, and then, I mean, the obvious one is Spate though. Um, Here's the thing though, you look at Michigan in the red zone and I know like every site tried doing their big red zone breakdown and stuff. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, you know, it's like the new thing to do now. It was this simple is that they're just not, they're not all on the same page on every play. One play, it's a missed block by a receiver or a tight end. Next play, it's a running back missing the hole, you know, the, the, the cuts there, but they missed the, they didn't take the wrong cut. The next play, it's spade overthrowing or an open receiver or making a questionable decision. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's not just, you can't just look at one thing and say, this is what's ailing them right now. It's a, it's kind of a, hodgepodge of stuff i guess and and that's why like you know i in my new favorite article to write our grades which people love so much um <laughs> is it was really hard to grade the offense because each unit if you just took each unit what they did individually throughout the game last saturday that each unit actually played pretty decent it was the fact that there were multiple instances where like I said, it'd be one unit that faltered on one play. So like the protection, like there was the, uh, trying to think of what play it was. One of the, uh, maybe it was this where Spate threw it to Black in coverage, which is his worst decision maybe of the year, where he had Ty Isaac wide open uh, underneath, would have gotten an easy first down. I think it was that third down at midfield. You know, the protection was perfect. Spate dropped back perfectly. Isaac got himself wide open in the flat, and then Spate, makes probably the worst possible decision on that play, right? So all of the, everything was clicking except the quarterback made a bad throw. And then there's a, then there's a play later on where Higdon has a wide open the field's wide open if he makes the right cut, the cutback that he's supposed to. And the offensive line blocked it perfectly, but Higdon misses the cut and they get like 1 yard or no yards. You know, and it was like that kind of day, you know, where it's like nothing everything like everybody was working a 9 plays out of 10, but there was something missing on a lot of individual plays and it was almost always from a different player or unit, you know? So uh, just kind of weird. That's why I kind of feel like they're going to eventually figure. I think it's just more about consistency. And uh, I still think there's a lot of working out the kinks type stuff. I just, I went back and looked at Spate's QBR, which you can take that rating for whatever you want, (laughs) but you can still, you can still use it though, relative to what, how they've graded him in the past and his last two games would have been lower than I think I want to say almost every game I think except for Iowa last year I think that's about right yeah right so I don't think there's no way he's taken a a, a precipitous step back he's not stepping back that far I just I think that's more indicative than anything that there are a lot of different issues going on so um like there's no way he'd, he'd he would fall that far down you know after playing at a pretty high level for the majority of the season last year so uh yeah but in the red zone yeah i mean zach gentry i mean i shouldn't i don't want to put pressure on gentry because he's still just acclimating himself to the offense but he can kind of be that guy in the seam too uh that speed size combo you know that can really create some mismatches so you know i'd say evans crawford gentry i guess are the guys that that really could uh could make a difference, you know. Peoples Jones too, obviously. They got to get him the ball more. That was, I think that was pretty clear. <laughs> yep. As evidenced by Saturday. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I remember when I did my, I know you were making fun of the breakdowns, but when I did my breakdown, you know, I took a sequence and it was like, there were three plays and there were six people that made pretty blatant mistakes. Uh, you can go on our site and search a little bit. You'll be able to find that story. But anyway, let's move on because Michigan, the fun never stops, at least during football season. Uh, they're, they're heading down to Purdue. Isaiah and I, Steve, are you going to be down there too? What? No. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we'll we'll be down there. We'll have some live coverage for you. Excited about that. But Purdue, this was supposed to be, you know, like a 24-point blowout, kind of a walkthrough, kind of a, you know, work things out before the bye week comes. And then Purdue goes and contends with number 19, Louisville. And it beats Ohio pretty badly. It's a MAC team, but, uh, you know, and then they go and they curb stomp Missouri, winning 35-3. to David Blau reclaims his starting job, and suddenly this team looks like a a real bowl caliber team. And thing, and then of course, because we cover the team that we cover, the Michigan fan base, at least not not all of it, but a good portion of it, starts to get a little worried about this game because Michigan hasn't played as well as they'd hoped, and Purdue has played better than many expected. And Steve, I, my question for you is, you know, looking at this, Purdue. Two and one has beaten two pretty bad teams, lost to one pretty good team. But based on the way they've played and and kind of what we what we can assess from from their opponents and also from them, how for real is Purdue? I mean, is this a, is this like a legitimate eight win kind of team, or did they just happen to have two better than expected games? I think the answer, as always, is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, Jeff Brome quietly. Maybe the best hire made in the Big Ten. Didn't have all the hype of PJ Fleck at Minnesota, and the you know Minnesota's done a good job creating that cult of personality already uh, around him. But Brome is is a guy offensively, you know, kind of a I hate that guru, I guess. You know, a guy that just knows the offense inside and out. He likes to throw the street fight between the whistles, which is actually my favorite vine maybe ever. If anyone wants to check that out, the street Jeff Brome street fight between the whistles. It's fantastic. Really, yeah. Yeah. It's, I love it. <laughs> I, I watch it sometimes, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's hilarious. So he's in really, that being said, he's a really intense guy is the short of it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I studied the Purdue Louisville game pretty closely and, you know, it was a seven point game. Purdue led at halftime actually. I want to say Louisville fumbled like twice on the goal line. Yeah, they, they had the three three total fumbles, and I think at least two of them were in Purdue or yeah Purdue territory. Right, and like they lost two of them for sure. And uh, they also this is the they committed sixteen penalties. Louisville did in that game, which is insane. Um, I don't know. I, I what we were just saying like you know Purdue's had one sack all year. They're last in the country in tackles for loss per game. You know, I, this, I actually think if you remove, if you just remove the results so far of these teams, of the each team's like three games, I think this is like actually a really good matchup for Michigan. The only question mark really is, you know, that Michigan's defensive backs are going to be tested heavily, but I don't see a world in which Purdue's offensive line can handle Michigan's front. Um, and if Purdue tries to dink and dunk, you know, I think Michigan's linebackers are probably going to have a pretty big game. I, I just, I, I think 
if you're a Purdue fan, I think you should be obviously you should be more optimistic than they've been in years. I mean, they were by far the worst program in the. They have nine conference. wins in four years. Right, only Rutgers <laughs> is worse, and uh, I don't which, even think Rutgers win wise is that bad in the last four years. Right, because they went to a bowl. Purdue hasn't right, even right. been close. But yeah, continue. No, I, you're right. I forgot about. It. I I just as Rutgers is the worst program in the Big Ten. So, um, you know, so I don't know. I mean, it, the biggest. It's the same thing as it always is for me. They're going to play in a, they're going to go to on the, on a road field against an intense crowd. I think they're saying this is going to be a sellout. It's going to be the biggest game for Purdue football in a really long time. So Michigan's got to withstand uh, that. But I think this is a game where Michigan should be able to win on both sides of the on the trenches, and that's where I think that they'll kind of that's that's where I think this game will probably end up being won. Um, I don't know. It's going to be it's it's kind of interesting cuz they're like almost literally the opposite of what Air Force was. So, you know, the defense is <laughs> we're going to really learn about how versatile Michigan's defense is. Yeah. But I think but I think they're they're going to be up to the challenge though. It's really hard to see them not um especially for the front seven. It's just attack. You know, I don't really think that ever really changes. So, um, you know, it's going to yeah. be a fun I, I don't want to say it's going to be a fun game, but it could be. I, I think it'd just be a really interesting game to watch. And I, Isaiah I, I, you know, Steve talked about how it could be a good matchup for Michigan, but I mean, you know, we know kind of, we know Purdue is not Iowa last season. It's not going to be this, you know, kind of nasty, hard to beat team. If Michigan does what it needs to do, it should win and it probably should win with, with some margin for error. That said, Michigan does have some work to do. And so, so my question for you is, you know, what concerns do you think need to be addressed the most in order for Michigan to, to come away with the win that it is probably expecting? Well, weirdly, the, the, it don't, it's kind of weird to say this, but I don't have a ton of concerns going into this game. And that's just because it really is a strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness situation. So actually my biggest concern falls on Steve already said it, which is the pass defense. Because the, you're looking at a, a hot Purdue team. David Blau likes to throw the ball a lot. completed 76% of his passes. Uh, so you, it's going to be a huge opportunity for this Michigan secondary to prove that they are what we've seen out of the first three games because they haven't faced anyone that's really going to light it up. We thought maybe Florida had that opportunity going with a new, cor- uh, new quarterback. Obviously, they were without Antonio Callaway. Uh, but at at the same time, like Cincinnati wasn't really going to be much of a you know challenge in that light. Air Force only threw the ball nine times and they completed one pass. So yeah. this one's going to be this one's going to be one where you're actually going to be able to see a quarterback actually you know at least try to do some work. So my big question is how does the secondary respond? Mm-hmm. The on the other hand, on the other side of the ball, it's it. Actually, before I go to the other side of the ball, I should I should say the the good news in that exact part of it all is that Purdue is is not exactly great with their offensive line. No, so I was they had a, to bring in transfers. A, yeah, no, it's continue. Sorry, it's okay. Uh, but, but you know, Blau Blau has done a very good job despite that. But they they you know they're they're in the bottom tier of the con- in the country is well, having let up eight sacks so far this year. They're going up against the number four Michigan team that's got like sacks, sacks yeah. on the season. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where it, it, 
it, it, in a lot of ways, is strength against strength, but they, that's where the concern starts to kind of go away is that you also have strength against weakness on those same on that same side of the ball where it really is ultimately Purdue's biggest strength or a passing offense, and but their biggest weakness on the other side of the ball is, and probably for their whole team, is their pass defense. So that's where you want to start seeing this Michigan team be able to pick it up offensively, especially Wilton Spate, those young receivers, because – if they can, this is a game when they, if they can't get it going, then I think it's finally time to start being concerned because this is the type of unit that they're going to be going up against where this should be a, a big day through the air. They're a bit more stout against the run, and so I'm not really sure if Michigan will continue to have their high level of, uh, of running in this game. They, I mean, they should. They, they're just more talented as a team overall. Never forget that when you go into games like this. Overall, when you have strength versus strength or even weakness versus weakness, the, the more talented team is more likely to win out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's kind of how I, I look at it. It's not really that there's a ton of concerns. It's just that we're finally going to start getting some answers to some of these questions that have been brought up the last couple of weeks. Yeah, sorry. Just to, just to close out that thought on the offensive line, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I. Uh, they brought in a Northern Illinois bench a lineman who did not start for Northern Illinois and a lineman for from Rhode Island, an FCS school, and they are both starting on that offensive line. And then they also have a couple other new starters. Uh, so Kirk Barron is is pretty good, but other than that, they have their work cut out for them. And yeah, I tend to agree. Strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness. I think Michigan gets the edge in in talent and also in uh, coaching and in preparation so i yeah i think our concerns are are limited let's run through some over unders we're gonna do uh if you want to add a sentence or two you you certainly can uh some of them warrant it some of them don't uh these come from via azul 97 he tried to get him in last week uh wasn't wasn't able to so so we'll reward him by giving it giving him this week i'll start number one 200.5 yards rushing over under i'll say under for Michigan, Jeff Brome, he made it pretty clear in the press conference that he wants Spate to beat him. He does. He, you know, he's gonna stack the box. Gonna be kind of like Central Florida and Air Force and some of these other games that where people were getting nervous about the run game. I think they're just gonna stack the box. I think they're really gonna gonna try it. That said, they are a little better defending the pass just based on skill set. But I, I'll say under. Uh, Steve, six and a half players with a reception. Oh boy, uh, hasn't I'm happened yet. Gonna, I don't think, but right. But I'm actually going to say over. I think they, I think they try to mix a couple screens in on Saturday. So I think the running backs will get a couple running backs might get a reception. Um, and like you said, Purdue's going to go all out to stop the run, which is the only game plan they should have. I mean, there's really no reason for them not <laughs> to attack it that way. So, yeah. Um, so there, that means more throws, and uh, I think, I think over. Okay, okay. Isaiah, fifty percent touchdown rate in the red zone, fifty point five percent. If if so, if it's fifty, it's under. But over or under at that touchdown rate? Uh, I'm gonna go with the over on this one. Uh, I, I I think that, I not think I know that the that's been the primary focus of practice all week is is finding out what they can do to to change some of these issues. We've talked about it at length. It's, yes, we have. I, yeah. I, 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 and considering that the, you know, the defensive side of the ball for Purdue is, is not the, the strongest, I think Michigan excels here and finally starts to answer that question as well. 
And then 60% completion percentage for Spate. That's a tough one because I think Purdue's actually done a decent job of minimizing completion rates. Like, they'll get, like, pass breakups and, and picks. They might not, like, actually defend the pass that well. You know, we talked about the sacks, and obviously the points allowed speak for themselves. But I, I'll say under. It's hard to hard to complete a lot of passes on the road. Uh, I I don't I don't think Spade's gonna have a bad game. I think he's gonna be just fine. But I don't know if he's gonna hit that 60% mark, completion wise, uh, especially especially if you know they're spreading things around and and peppering to guys who maybe don't get too many targets. But we'll see, Steve. Three and a half total receptions by tight ends combined. Well, they had one target last week. Uh, I assume they're going to have more this week, but three and a half receptions over or under. I'm going to go over again. This, I'm surprising myself with these answers. Um, I'm going to go over. I think that they're going to attack the middle of the field because Purdue's going to play such an aggressive run defense. So that's what I mean. Like I think you'll see a couple screens. I think you'll see some and more. You know, more work in the middle for the tight end. So question will be which. Which tight end will it be, right? So I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm gonna go over though. I'm okay. Over. All right, Isaiah, six and a half tackles for loss for Michigan's defense, over or under? Ha 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 ha. Uh, clearly over. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, they're <laughs> averaging like <laughs> ten or eleven, aren't they? Oh well. Uh, yeah. yeah. And with that I, offensive I, I, line, we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For me, one and a half turnovers forced. Well, Purdue last season threw over two interceptions per game. Uh, that I mean, I don't think they're going to be that bad this season, but I think against a turnover-heavy team like Michigan, uh, they're going to be... I mean, Jeff Brown basically said in the press conference, he's like, unless we play a lot faster as an offense, our quarterback's going to be on his back a lot this game. <laughs> and so I'm guessing that leads to uh, some, some errant throws, and I'm guessing that there will be a fumble. Michigan's been quietly kind of good at forcing fumbles this season. Maybe not... They missed on a couple, but they've been pretty good at so I'll say I'll say over. Steve Steve, three uh two hundred and five no, three hundred and five total yards allowed. Remember that Purdue is averaging four hundred yards of offense per game, but Michigan has not allowed anyone to get more than two hundred and fifty yards. So over under three hundred point five. I'm gonna uh, over, but it'll be close. That's kind of a tough one. I just it's hard to imagine Purdue being able to run the ball though. That's kind of the thing is um. Yeah, uh, but I'm still gonna say over just because I think they're just gonna just they might throw the ball like 60 times. I mean, um, yeah, you know what I mean. So I, I guess those those yards will add up after a while. I'm gonna say over, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be close to that. I still think Michigan's defense is gonna have a big game. I mean, yeah, you know, so I I think it'll be a great stat game for them. Uh, one thing to note about the run game, I Markel Jones has missed the last two games. He He's kind of like their Mike Hart in that he's going to be their best running back they've ever had, uh, You know, even though it's a school that primarily is focused on the pass. But he's been out. I don't know if he's going to be back. They said out two weeks for sure, possibly more. So now we're in that possibly more territory. Anyway, Isaiah, seven and a half tackles for Mr. Devin Bush Jr. Uh, I'm going to go over. Uh, he's – I mean, I, that, that that's a little bit – I guess a guess there just for the sake of 12 this last game. Yeah, it's hard to tell who's going to get him. But uh, he's just, he's playing with so much confidence and he's, it's good. It's hard to, I don't, how do you even neutralize him? I don't think that they have, they don't have like a. You've given up something somewhere. Yeah. 
that can like come in and, and stuff him or, you know, I, I think they're going to be so concerned trying to stop, depending on how much Michigan goes in and out of a three-man and four-man front, they're going to be so concerned trying to stop Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary on the on the ends uh, that they're, they're really just going to have no choice but to try to put it at Devin Bush, whether it be through the air or on the ground. So, yeah, I'll go over. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Uh, last two are a little sillier. Or just more guesses, so no need to elaborate too much. Uh, Steve, 48 and a half yards for longest made field goal for Nordine. It's going to be a hot one. I don't know what the wind is going to be, but he get he get a 50-yarder? Yes. Okay, there it is. I'm going to over, yep. Okay, all right. And Isaiah, two and a half mentions of Drew Brees and Joe Tiller during broadcast. We obviously don't listen to the broadcast, but uh, two and a half mentions? Uh. I'll go over, and it will be just by me, myself, while I'm on the sideline. <laughs> You're like, wow, Joe Tiller, when he was the coach, this isn't what Purdue looked like. And Drew Brees, he was a quarterback here before. Yeah, screaming so, to yeah, the ambient cool. mic, Drew Brees! <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. All right. You'll know it's me. Okay, so we're going to do a prediction story later on. Three bold predictions, uh, one MVP, and and one in our score prediction, and along with like a little bit of a game overview but I want to get. I want to get. We're gonna do one bold prediction, one MVP, and one score. We'll we'll go one at a time. Uh, Steve, we'll let you go first. Prediction, MVP, and then score. Uh, my one bold prediction. <laughs> I'm a, I'm just gonna like. This is this isn't copping out either. I'm literally gonna give the same prediction I did last week. I think Chris Evans gets 120 total yards. So, like I said, what I did you get think- last week? Not many. Yeah. He fumbled. He fumbled well, and they took yeah. him off. Here's here's the thing though. I actually thought he looked really good when they put him in late in the game though. Hmm. Uh, it looked like he ran with a little more force or a little more uh, what do they call it? A little more intention or you know some lame word they used to like say the guy ran hard. Uh, I'm gonna stick with that though. I think I think he does it this week. I'm gonna maybe keep predicting this until it actually happens because. I think it's going to happen at some point. So, and this is a really, this game kind of sets up for him to maybe make a pretty big impact because I think Michigan, like I said, I I feel like they're going to go mix in a couple screens. You know, they're going to be playing aggressively, get a couple screens out on the edge, get him in the open field. So Chris Evans, bold prediction, um, MVP. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Hudson. Um, He's actually been playing really, really well statistically. He hasn't gotten the hype that Bush has gotten, but he's played just as well all around and all well on all around game, outside of maybe a couple uh, issues setting the edge. I know Brian and Ace at MGo Blog had some good stuff there in their UFR this week about that. So uh, I'm going to say Hudson, and then my final score. But going back and forth on this one, I think it's going to be. I think Michigan wins. I think it's thirty to twenty. I think it's. I think they. If as long as the spread stays at ten, I think that they cover right on the dot. Okay. Well, I'll I'll go and then then Isaiah can go. My bold prediction, and this isn't this is like kind of a weirdly specific one, but I think Michigan blocks a kick or a punt in this game. Uh, they've been pretty close in, in a, you know against Cincinnati and had a little success against Air Force as well. I think between Purdue's offensive line being not that good, their special teams. Uh, it's had some issues with just general cohesiveness. The field goal unit is at 50% in their field goals, and uh, they have a really good punter, but I don't know if he's necessarily going to get the protection against a team that would love 
I mean, Michigan, they've probably got it circled as one of their things to do. If they, if you know, the crowd starts getting into it, nothing kills momentum more than you know, blocked field goal or a blocked punt that, that ends up flipping the field and and all that. So I, th- I think they get one this week. And then my MVP, I'm gonna say, I, it's kind of lame to say it because it's like kind of an easy picking, but I think Rashawn Gary. I, I think oh. Purdue actually has a solid Dan Steinmetz. I, I made you know I made fun of their transfers, but he's from Rhode Island. He's actually done fairly well, uh, albeit against worse defensive ends. So I think I think Winovich. I don't know. I mean, you could probably pick either one of them, but I think I think this is a game where Rashawn. Uh, it's another one where they you know the offensive line can't really afford to either sing, they're just kind of screwed no matter what they do. So I think they try to try to single him a little bit more. They don't have an experienced running back to, to come in and provide help if needed. So I think he's going to end up having a handful of sacks and he's going to have himself a big game. Then, oh, score prediction. I was going to say 30-20. I think I said 34-21 on air earlier today. I'm going to say, I'll say 34-17. to uh, upon further review, I think Michigan can keep Purdue in check a little more on defense. Isaiah, uh, let's see, bold prediction, MVP, and then your score prediction. Well, my bold prediction probably isn't that bold, uh, just considering the role he's going to be stepping into. But I have Donovan Peoples-Jones with at least 150 all-purpose yards for a second consecutive week. Uh, obviously, he's going to be thrust more into the passing game, so they're going to be relying on him a lot more. Purdue 77th in the country as far as what they're allowing on punt returns. So there's definitely some opportunity for him uh, in both. Obviously, they're going to want to key in now after we've, you know, they've seen what he can do on punt returns. I'm sure that they're not going to be as willing to kick to him. But at the same time, I think he still gets it done one way or another, 150 total. My game ball is uh, going to go the opposite side. Uh, to the weak side for uh, from your prediction, going with Chase Winovich for the game ball. Uh, I, I think you could pick and choose either side. Uh, Chase yeah. has just been been just so phenomenal and a, a guy that, I, as much as we do talk about him, I feel like we're still not talking about him enough and what he's been able to do this year. He's he, a lot of question going into the season. Would he be able to keep it up in a non-backup role? And he's answered that in spades three games in. Uh, score prediction, I'm way more lopsided than you guys. I just see, as with it, like I said earlier, the strength against strength. I, I, I think Michigan's main focus, one of the major reasons why we've probably seen angry Harbaugh these last two weeks has been, has been the fact that the offense, his baby, has not been clicking. I think this is a perfect game for it to click. So I think, I think Purdue will, will be a little bit more of a challenge defensively than what we've seen from some of these other teams that they face just considering the uh, the ability for David Blau to pass the ball, but I still have Michigan winning forty two to seventeen. Oh, okay. Well, you're eight points ahead of me, so I guess I shouldn't shouldn't guffaw too much. All right. Well, there's our predictions. There is our our MVPs and our our score predictions as well. That's gonna do it for the Wolverine twenty four seven podcast. Uh, hopefully. You enjoyed it as we broke down the latest in Michigan football, did some recruiting for both football and basketball, uh, and also shared some off-topic stuff, too. Had a lot of fun. If you want to read more of our stuff, go on over to michigan.247sports.com. Of course, I highly recommend it. But, no, we've got tons of stories throughout the day, every day, uh, 24 hours of the day, seven days a week, hence the website name. 
So it should be, should be a good resource for you if you want to know more. That's going to do it uh, for Steve Lorenz and Isaiah Hull on the phone lines. Thanks to them. Uh, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we'll see you next time.